You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Um, hey, good morning, everybody. Man, uh, uh, thank you, Pastor Andrew, and I don't see the first lady here, but uh, thank her for invite, inviting me. Uh, I've spoken four times uh, this year. I don't know if you, did you invite me more than that? Probably not, but uh, I'm, I'm surprised he invited me at all, to be honest. But uh, uh, four times, and uh, every, every time I've spoken, and today will no, be no exception, I've, re, I've uh, taught, uh, uh, wrapped my talk around the death of my wife that happened on November 5th, 2021, almost uh, a little over a year ago. And... Uh, tried to share the journey that I've been on in this new season of time. I was married for 50 years, 48, and then two years relationship. So uh, after being with someone for 50 years, it's just a new season. So I'm still in the process of learning things. But, and my hope has been that if I take this time and share some of the things I've learned uh, in my time of darkness, that maybe I could help others when, because we're all going to go through dark times. How many know that? I mean, every day we have a night that comes and there's a lot of nights that come and there's a lot of good days and there's a lot of bad days that happen. So how can we get through these days? So that's been my hope and that's uh, the reason uh, why uh, I, I'm going to again talk to you uh, about handling darkness. I don't know if Pastor Andrew plans on uh, inviting me uh, to speak in 2003 at any given time, but if he does... Uh, I will not be ever again speaking. I shouldn't say ever again. I, I, that's probably not true. I don't know. But I, I, my, my commitment is to not make my wife's death and my journey the focus of my teaching. Uh, I, I felt like the Lord said, uh, I, want you to, I, I want you to put up a rear view mirror and I want you to glance back often because you never want to drive down the road in your car into the future without having a rearview mirror on. He said, when you, look, when you glance in the rearview mirror, as you will, you'll give praise to me. That's what rearview mirrors are. That's why we look back to say, God, wow, you got me through that? How did I make it through that? And I look at my college days and I say, how did I make it through college? How did we get through this? And how did we get through that? That's what a rearview mirror goes does. Many of you, maybe most of you, will forget about Donna's death. You may remember her periodically or seldom or at some point down the road, you, her, her name may come to you. But it will never, it'll never be a loss in my mind because I have a history. I have a rearview mirror and there isn't one day that I will not think about her. That's the way it should be. You may have to make sure you've got a rearview mirror in your history because it's different than mine. You're not going to be riding in my car. I will remember certain things. You will remember certain things because of your history. And when you remember them, when you glance, don't focus on the past. That's what the Lord has said to me. It's, you're now, as, as 2022 closes and 2023 begins, you are to continue to glance as often as you would like and because he's given us a gift of memory. But now your focus is ahead. Wouldn't Paul say in Philippians 3, says, I forget those things that are past, but I'm going to reach on now. Amen. Reach on to what you have in store. 
So uh, having said that, uh, this will be the last installment. I've, I'm going to talk to you about uh, trials, tests, and temptations. Uh, when this message dro was dropped into my heart uh, back a few months ago, uh, I had a song going through my mind, and I was going to choose a title that was different than the one I gave you. It was titled, What You Gonna Do When They Come For You. <laughs> that was the song that was going through my mind. I think that came out in the 80s. What you gonna do when they come for you? It's talking about the cops and the bad boys, and they've, already, they, they've messed up and they're gonna come. What I wanna do is I wanna leave you today answering that question. What are you going to do when temptation comes knocking on your door? What are you going to do? Aren't you glad that I wasn't thinking of some song by, by uh, Rod Stewart, this, you, you sexy thing? How, if I was thinking of that song, I don't know how I would have fit that into a title of a message. So, but it, that's the title. But I thought my first instinct is usually wrong, so I change it to some boring title like Trials, Tests, and Temptations. So here we go. Lord Jesus, let's just pause. I don't know, Father, uh, what you can do with what I've brought today. Uh, sometimes, and I think this is probably true of everyone, Lord, we, it seems like we bring so little to the table. And I, I don't know how uh, successful or how fruitful this message will be, but I do know that you are able to take a small thing and make it enough for everyone. You took a few fish and a couple loaves of bread and you fed over 5,000 people. So you can take one message and however many people are here, maybe you can do a miracle and, and put something in our hearts, not just our minds, but plant something in our hearts that will help us stand our ground when we go into trials and testings and temptation comes our way. I ask you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I think it's safe to say that uh, I've been going through a trial for the last year. Uh, it's one of the biggest trials, if not the biggest, of my life. And uh, didn't start just last year. I call it the tunnel of, tunnel of uh, darkness. I've been kind of in a tunnel, and, and I haven't totally reached the end yet, uh, but, I'm, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm making some way. And uh, I've discovered, first of all, and you can write this in your notes if you're taking notes, trials, when you have them, are the breeding ground for temptation. Uh, Luke 4, 13 says, When the devil had finished all of his temptings with Jesus, he left him until an opportune time. He's waiting until you're vulnerable. I don't know what your trigger is, but there are, all of us have triggers. And when we hit those triggers, it opens the door for the enemy. It's an invitation for him to come and tempt you. And, 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 and he's no, he, he keeps track of it. He waits for those times. For me, it happens to be bored. When I get bored, I'm tempted to do some things that uh, he wants me to do. When I, when I am tired and when I'm lonely... And when I experience certain things like I have uh, in this dark period of my life, uh, I, he, he comes. It's a breeding ground for temptation. Turn with me, if you will, to James 1, 13 through 15. I want to tear this portion of Scripture up, uh, up for you a little bit. 
It starts out by saying in, in James 1, 13 uh, through 15, blessed is the one who perseveres under a trial. And so we're talking about trials. I don't, I don't, do I have to define trials for anybody? They're tough times. Man, you, you don't want to go through a trial. It's, it, it, it's difficult. It's dark. Blessed is the one who perseveres. The word persevere in the Greek, uh, New Testament was written in the Greek, smattering of Aramaic, as you probably know. And this word is better, better understood with a word picture. It's a picture of someone who stands under a lot of weight, a lot of, diff- a lot of things on their shoulders, on their plate, so to speak, and yet they make progress. What they're holding and what they're going through, it doesn't stop them. It's just heavy. It's, it, maybe you've seen that bronze statue of, of Hercules. He has the, the world on his shoulders. It's that type of person. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres under a trial because having stood the test. So now James is t- bringing together the trials and the tests. And he wants you and me to know that God sometimes will take you through a trial. Sometimes he takes you around the trial. Sometimes he takes you over it. Sometimes he stops it from happening. But there are many times when he takes you through. It's God led. Didn't it say in uh, Luke 4, and the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness, great time of difficulty, that Jesus was tempted. And so he can do that. But do you know, we can bring trials on ourselves. You know, some of you just have too much drama and you're the drama king, and you're the drama queen. You're the one who makes the problems come your way. And, and I've done the same thing. So, so but, but they come to us, and in the midst of a trial, there's, generally speaking, a test. God tests you. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 8, talking to the Israelites. Do you remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness for these 40 years? He did it to humble and test you in order to know what is in your heart, whether or not you will keep his commands. We get tested. Would you write this down? A test will guard you from deception. A test will guard you from deception. If you've ever been in a position where you've had to hire someone, they'll never look better than their resume. Their resume is always glowing. I'm dedicated. I'm a hard worker. I'll never complain. I'm a, I'm a team player. And on and on. They look really great. So you talk with them, you hire them. But it's when the test comes. I'll never complain. No, sir, I won't. Boss, you're the boss. I'll never complain. I'll never talk behind your back. The test when it comes. That's when you really realize what's true. You know, sometimes we think that we are better than we really are. Or sometimes we think we're worse than we really are, but sometimes we think we're better than we really are. And the truth is, is that He allows us to go through tests so that we'll know the truth. The first principle of education in schools is to you have to find the child where they're at and start there. You can't be ahead of them. You you have to come down to their level. You and I, if we're going to make growth, uh, have growth in our lives, we have to embrace who we are really are. 
where we are at right now. Elton John sang a song, uh, I'm, I'm Rocket Man, I'm not the man they think I am. A lot of hypocrites in the world, but sometimes we deceive ourselves and we think that we're someplace when we're really not, but when a test comes, we get to reveal. That's why we go through tests. He doesn't want you to, he wants you to see what's in your heart. Man, I'm a rebel. I don't want to follow God. I want what I want. Until you understand that, you probably won't make any progress. A test will guard you from deception. That person, James goes on to say, will receive the one who stands his ground, who doesn't yield, doesn't throw in the towel, doesn't say yes to temptation. He will, says he will receive the crown of life. We don't know what the crown of life is, but we do know what a crown is. And throughout the Bible, it's authority. Authority. If you, if you, if you are following God and you pass just a little test, you know you get a little stronger. You pass the second test, you get a little more, more strength. It says if you, if you are faithful in a few things, man, there'll be more things that you can do. So you begin to gain strength. Uh, the reason I didn't succumb to the temptations that have come to me over these, this last year and the years before is because I've been, I've been trying to fight uh, temptation for a lot of years and I, I've won a lot of battles. And what happens is you get stronger and stronger. So after 50 years, I'm not, a, I'm not saying I don't fail at the, the test every once in a while, but I am more victorious than I am walking in defeat. I, I have a winning season. I'm a lot, I have, I'm over 500. That's what baseball, I'm o over 500. You, you, I win more than I lose. And that's what happens if you start saying yes to the Lord. Now James goes on, verse 13, and he says, now listen, I don't want you to be confused because trials and tests can come from God, but temptation doesn't come from him. It always comes from the enemy. When tempted, he says, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, <clears throat> nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it will give birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Would you write this in your note if you're still taking notes? Temptation, and this is my definition for the sake of our message today, is anything that influences you to put your desires above God's. When you're down and out, when you're in darkness and you can't see God, let alone you know, what to do next, temptation comes and it is something that will influence you to put your desires above God. Temptation comes in a lot of different ways. Let me just list a few of them. I think we've all been tempted to lash out when we should restrain ourselves. What do I mean by that? Sometimes you should shut up instead of speak up. Other times you should speak up when, you should, when, you, when, you think you, when you're tempted to shut up. Temptation comes to us to make my welfare, our own welfare, more important than someone else's welfare. We're tempted to do that. We're tempted to take more than we need. We call that greed. Go to any potluck 
dinner and you'll pick out the greedy people. They're the ones who hold two plates. And they shove to, and, and, and push everyone else. Little kids, doesn't matter who. Old women, just get, get in the front line. They're going to fill up that plate. They don't care about if there's enough food for everybody else. It's just, just that's, that's who the greedy people are. When I was a lead pastor here at Koinonia, I told the staff that I was brought up to and as a pastor and told that, you know, if we ever have a potluck, make sure you go last. Because if you go last and we have a lot of greedy people, then you get to fast. And that's a good thing. See, so it's a kind of a win-win situation for you. you. But if you have a lot of good people there who aren't greedy and selfish, then you'll, you'll have your pick of things. You can't lose. We have a tendency at times to give 50% rather than 100%. Spend a lot of our day working and we actually do a lot of internet searching and a lot of uh, personal stuff and don't, don't give the, the employer a full day. So we're tempted to do that. We're tempted to criticize uh, people rather than compliment them. Lots of different temptations. I, I'd like to share with you kind of uh, some of the temptations that I've faced in the past year. Uh, how many can handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? Wasn't there a movie? Uh, what was that A Few Good Men or something? You know, yeah. Uh, this is kind of like a, a reverse intervention. You know, kind of like an intervention is when you come to me and say, hey, I got some things to talk to you about I've noticed in your life. Well, I'm going to tell you some things that, that, that I've been tempted to do. Uh, I have 10 that I've noted in my journal that I've encountered. Some of them are pretty easy for me to do, but some of them are formidable. And, uh, and so I just want to make sure you can, can you handle the truth? Will you respect me after the service? Will you respect me in the morning type of thing? Will you, will you, will you, will you think I'm okay? Okay, and here, here they are. I've been tempted to have a pity party. And this just, this, this just is not once or twice. This is been, this is a lot of times. You know, hey, listen, this is a tough time for you. Just focus on yourself. You know, pull down the curtains, get sad music on. Country westerns usually sad. You know, play the sad music. And, you know, just, in, just be with you. And I, uh, I, I met with a, a lady, Norma uh, Farah, and she, uh, she was telling me a story of, of one of her friends who was tempted to have a pity party. You have to be over 60, but there used to be a song, It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. That, that's a long time ago. So little younger people wouldn't know it. But she says, she says, yeah, and this person gave herself permission to have one pity party a, day, a, a, a month. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. I, 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 I didn't do that for myself, uh, I, but I did give myself permission to be unhappy and sad. Sometimes we think if you're going to be a good Christian, you always have to be happy. Total euphoria. But you know, Jesus was sad many times when he looked over Jerusalem. He wept for the people. My goodness. Oh, I, I would like to be like a hen who could just bring you in. You just, I, I'm hurting for you. They're, they're sad. You're not a bad example if you're unhappy. If, if your unhappiness causes you to get stuck and not move ahead, then there's something wrong, okay? But I, I, so I decided to give myself permission to, to, uh, to be unhappy in any given season. And the Lord got me through these things. 
The second thing I got focused on was I uh, was tempted to focus on the things I couldn't control. And it just kind of miserable. It went to my past, and especially the past two or three years. Started thinking, what could have I done differently? You know, if I'd have talked to the doctors a little bit more, if we'd have found, if I'd have been a little bit more aggressive in, in trying to find uh, what was wrong. Uh, you know, you can beat yourself up for a long time. I'm just saying I was tempted to, and I can't do anything about that. <laughs> it's beyond your control. You'll just wear yourself out if you keep worrying about, about the things that you've done. At some point, you've got to receive God's forgiveness and say, hey, if your forgiveness is real, I'm going to move on, and I'm not going to focus on that. I'm ashamed of a lot of things I've done in my past. I mean, in 71 years, you can do a lot of, things, a lot of bad things. And I've done a lot of things that nobody knows about, only God knows about. And, uh, uh, but but I, I tend, then I would think about the future. What am I going to do now? I'm all by myself. I've gone to the coast twice by myself. You know, that's no fun. <laughs> I've learned that. I'm not going to go to the coast anymore. I mean, it's kind of like that's over with. So uh, it's, it's like I, I couldn't control. But then I, and the third thing I got tempted uh, was to worry about what people think about me. Uh, that may not seem big to you, but I haven't been around here a lot, you know. None of us were around in 2020, right? And 2021, when my wife started to really go downhill quickly that whole year until the end, uh, uh, that's, I didn't come to church. Uh, maybe there was once or twice I came. And this year I haven't uh, jumped jump back in as much as I, would, I thought I would at, at this time for whatever reason. And I began to think about, well, what are people thinking? Because if you don't see people in church, you think, oh, what's wrong? Uh, do they love Jesus? Have they backslidden? You know, what are they doing? And so I didn't want people to think. But, you know, I finally realized, and I was victorious, and this one's kind of, you know, it really is important what God thinks about me. And I think he's okay. I'm spiritually alive. I'm probably stronger now than I was even before uh, Donna's death, to be honest. Uh, that's, a, that's God's grace. And I'm more spiritually alive. My emotions are more in touch with what's going on. I want to live in the present, not the past or the future. So, so I've been victorious, but uh, uh, that was one of the temptations. And then this last temptation, you know, and this is where uh, I don't want to lose anybody's respect or anything, but I was tempted to drink more alcohol than I should. Uh, alcohol has a way uh, of, of numbing the pain. And uh, when the night hours come, it's really quiet. You're laying in bed all by yourself. Or, uh, or during the day, the grandson's at school and your son's at work, or you're all by yourself, you're, you're alone. It's at those times where the, the pain can surface a little bit more uh, in your emotions than before. And uh, alcohol has, is able to take a little a little edge off. I'm a firm believer, and from my vantage point, uh, I believe this is a biblical view uh, of my life story. I, uh, I believe that there are some people who should never drink, should never touch a drop of alcohol. Your propensity, your history, it's just it's too volatile. Uh, for the, I do believe that some people can drink in moderation 
and that's okay. That's that's my. If you have a different opinion, that's okay. You can be wrong. No, I, no, no I'm, that was a, that was a joke. Okay, you really can't have a different opi opinion than that. Uh, if you drink it, but but everyone should never get inebriated. Inebriated is just a fancy word for being drunk. You know, and I never in this last year, even though I've been tempted to have more alcohol than I've ever had, I didn't ever get inebriated drunk. Don't let me, don't, don't let me uh, pull wool over your eyes because I have been drunk before. You have to go back about five decades, but I know what it's like to hold on to that porcelain yeah. pot in the bathroom and call it your friend. Uh, I mean, that, that's because of my, and you say to yourself, well, I deserve this, wow. You know, I have to go out and do it. Uh, I know what it's like. Here's how it, here's how it happened. Uh, some of you know that uh, my dad passed away, died when he was 58. He had a heart attack. Uh, my brother had a heart attack. He was 54. I have a left ventricle problem all my life, and so I don't. it's never really bothered me, but it, it, it could. Uh, so I've been to all the specialists, had all the tests, and... The specialists and the doctors have said, you know, one glass of wine, I think that's five ounces, if I'm not mistaken, all of you connoisseurs, uh, red wine, Merlot, is good for you. It'll help your heart. So the temptation goes, do you know, Tim, if one is good, <laughs> two, wow, that'd be great. I can't even begin to tell this is the voice going in there. I can't begin to tell you how great three would be. If, I mean, you, good, great, greatest. And when you listen to those things, you, you begin to maybe fail a little bit. I, I did, once again, I didn't fail. I never got inebriated, but I did reach a point where it did numb some things. Then, then there was another thing that I got tempted, and that was materialism. Sometimes just buying stuff can make you feel good. <laughs> I don't know. Am I the only one? So, uh, no, don't get me wrong. I didn't go out and buy a Maserati. It wasn't a midlife crisis. I'm way beyond midlife. Uh, it wasn't anything that I put on my credit card and I couldn't pay off. Uh, I haven't paid interest on a credit card for 20 years. Uh, Financial Peace University is a great program and I subscribe to that. I've lived that way for the last uh, 20, probably 30 years now. Now, so it's not like I'm putting myself in debt, but I went to my sister's house and she had some candles there that actually look like real candles. They actually move. Did any of you turned on to the, okay, so they actually move. And I says, Annie, that's her. And I says, man, those are nice candles. I, I, I want some of those. And she says, she said, well, yeah, I know where you can get some, blah, blah, blah. So I came home, and, and uh, they made me feel good. I mean, I looked at her candles, and, they, and it's like a real candle. The batteries last 200 hours. And it has a little remote. You can turn it on at a certain time and live for two or three, four or six or eight hours. It kind of makes you feel good. So I bought some. And I bought some more. They listen, if one is great, <laughs> two is wonderful. So I don't even want to tell you how many I have. <laughs> Let me just say that I have three 
nice candles in my family room. I have three nice candles in my living room, three candles in my kitchen, three candles in my bed. Okay, I'm not going to go on. I bought so many of these, and I, it's not like I didn't need them. It just made me feel good. I mean, even this morning, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning uh, getting ready for, for today and, and uh, knowing what's ahead. And my candles automatically come on to my bedroom at 5 o'clock. That's when I get up every morning. And I look, I said, oh, man, they made me feel good. <laughs> now, listen, hear me when I say it's not the wine consumption or the beer consumption. It's not the candles that's the problem. It's I was looking for a quick fix. It's the quick fix that we all look for. And there are no quick fixes, folks. There are no quick. I sometimes get claustrophobic and I want to break free of what I've experienced, but she's not going to come back. It's not going to change. And you feel like breaking out and you try to look for a quick fix. That was the problem. Would you say this with me? A quick fix quickly fades. Neil Diamond sang a song, Crank, uh, Cracklin' Rosie. It's about a store-bought woman. He's talking about wine. It only lasts for an hour, but that's okay because we got all night. Well, however long that bottle lasts, when it's done, it goes. It's gone. Quick fixes don't, do not last long. Would you write this down for the number four in your notes if you're still taking notes? Temptation is never for your welfare. It is never for your good. When temptation knocks on your door, it doesn't, it, it, what it says is, knock, knock. Who's there? Someone. Someone who? Someone who's here to help you in your marriage because it's terrible. Someone here to help you survive and give you what you're looking for. I'm here to be a blessing to you. That's all lies because it comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from God. It never does. Knock, knock. Who's there? Someone. Someone who? Someone who wants to destroy your life. Someone who wants to take your legs out from under you and make you fall down and lose ground. I'm, I'm here to destroy your marriage and your family. I'm just here to, to separate you from God and everyone else. Never will he say that to you. There's never any signs that go up. You're entering temptation zone. It doesn't happen. It just comes to you. No way. So how do you and I stand when these temptations, how have I stood in these temptations? Let me give you four keys as I wrap up. Number one, you have to win over temptation. If you're going to win, you must know, and you can write this down, the anatomy of temptation. You, know, you have to know how it works. James says that, first of all, it, it, it's, it centers on your desires. God gives you desires. It talks about God giving the desires of his heart to you. You and I have human desires which aren't necessarily evil, but then the enemy has a design for you a desire for you, and he has evil desires. It all revolves around your desires. And when temptation comes, it's, James says the first thing that happens is he tries to drag you away. Let me give you an example. There's an alcoholic 
I'm talking of a real life story now that I've, I've, I've talked with a gentleman. I'm, he's an alcoholic, been sober for two years. And if you're here struggling with alcoholism and you've been sober for one day or one week, hey, I say to you, congratulations, I'm glad for that. This guy had been sober for two years. He says, the other day my, my uh, office had a party. They invited me to go to the bar with them. The temptation voice started. What an opportunity, the enemy says. Ha ha, he's not, he's not doing really well. He's kind of lonely. And this is, a, this is a great opportunity. You can, go, you can go to the bar with your friends. You don't have to have a drink. And that's true. See, the enemy always has kind of enough truth to hook you. But it's not the total truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. That's what you want to look for. But just, just go. So he, so he goes. And, you know, he could have had a water. But what happens? When he went, he was out of position. See, that's why the enemy wants to drag you away. He doesn't want you to be in church like this. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to be around Christians. How many times have I said no to temptation? I was going to fail in the temptation, but I looked up and some, a Christian brother was right there. Can't tell you how many, especially in college. It was uncanny. You know, how many times I would want to do something. I'm reaching out. Oh, how are you? Praise God, you know. And I, I'm just about ready to, to do my thing. And, and they stop me. The enemy doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to be separated. You have to understand that when he drags you away, you're out of position. When you're playing ball, whether it be baseball or, uh, or uh, football, whatever, we watched USA yesterday lose to the, the uh, Netherlands uh, group, and they just, a lot of them were out of position. You can't win unless, you can't catch the ball unless you're in the position that you're supposed to be. Another illustration, a person is not, uh, they're in a tough marriage and they're not receiving the strokes that they feel like they need. Their mate is emotionally distanced from them. In all the counseling I've done over my years, I've never had anybody come into my office and say, you know, we're getting a divorce because uh, my husband won't read the Bible with me or my wife won't go to church with me. I've never had that. It's always been, I feel neglected. I feel used. I feel like my matter doesn't, my, my opinion doesn't matter. Those are all soul issues. So this person is not having his or her emotional needs met. So the enemy comes in and she goes to work and one of her co-workers says, hey, do you want to have lunch? And he's paid her a little bit of attention and she likes being with this person or he likes being with her. And because they, it, it meets some need. No, yeah. Is there anything going? Is there anything wrong in going to lunch with a, someone of the opposite sex? Not at all. So he goes out. Then a week later, he says, "Hey, why don't we have dinner?" See, and all of a sudden, what happens is, when this person responds, dragged away to a place where you're more vulnerable. You gotta. You gotta. Keep yourself in a position where you guard, you're guarded against that. And you can't let yourself get dragged away into a place. If you say yes to temptation and you get drawn away, it's like getting on a plane called temptation. 
And when that plane is on the runway and you're in that plane, it is going to take off and you are going to act out. In other words, you're going to commit whatever you've you committed yourself to. And it is going to give, it's going to conceive and it's going to give birth to sin. And that's going to ruin your life. And if you keep doing it, it's going to destroy you. You've you got to stay away from the plane. Maybe you shouldn't even go to the airport. Maybe you shouldn't two days earlier buy a ticket for the airport. See, some of our temptations, we've already thought about them enough, and we've got kind of a plan, and we know that if I go this way or that way, I know that it's probably going to happen. And, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> no, you know. Best time to deal with temptation isn't when you're in the, on the plane. Best time to deal with temptation isn't when you're on the runway. You've got to deal with temptation before it happens. The second thing is you need to see the ramifications. I, uh, that's helped me a lot to say no to temptation. I remember the Lord, my early years of being a parent, he said, if you want to help your sons, I have two boys. They're now 46 and 43, so they're men. But uh, if you want to help your sons stay free, you have to be free yourself. You want to make sure that you uh, have your ducks in a row before you try to get them and their ducks in a row. See, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You have to be something. So, so you need to see, and I began to see where this would lead and what it would do to my kids if I ever did and fulfilled those temptations. Do you know I... I bought 22 cars in 20 years of marriage. You know what stopped me from buying cars? Not new ones, but just, just, I just loved to do that. You know what stopped me? I finally was able to see the five-year payments at the end of the purchase. And those, seeing those payments, that stopped me from buying cars. You have to see, what, 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 what would, I mean, God would still love me, but how many people would I damage if I gave in to the certain temptations and I became a, a, a known person in Hanford who's committed some terrible sin and violated people? Bezelment, whatever, whatever it would be. How, how, what would that do? I don't want to do that. I want to I lead a life that's... I have a legacy of, hey, I did the best I could and I did not yield to temptation. You have to see the ramifications. You have to say yes to God for the strength to say no to the enemy. That's the third. That's thir you have to say yes to God. And that order is very significant because as a young man, I never had problems with temptation. Is there anybody here who's ever had problems? I never had problems because I always said yes. <laughs> no, no struggle. It just came, yes. Want another drink? Yes. Yes. Want another woman? Yes. Just always, yes, 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 yes. And I didn't realize it until I said no, and I was bound. See, that's the promises and the lies. Hey, you do this, you're going to feel really good. It's going to help you in your life. And you do it, and then you like it so much, you do it again. You like it so much, you get it, it becomes like you start drinking from a little hose, and it tastes really good. So you, get, you keep doing it, and then it gets bigger hose, and then all of a sudden you're drinking from a fire hydrant, and then you realize, I can't live without this. So when someone comes and says, you just need to stop that, they can't because that's their lifeline. 
Does that make sense? And what I learned when I said, I, I said, no, but I can't stop. I learned that I never really had said yes to Jesus. You got to say yes to Jesus. That doesn't mean go to church all the time. It means have a relationship where you want to please him and you love him more than anything else. Because if you do, you will get stronger and stronger. And it won't be a deed that you have to do. It'll be a love relationship that I don't want to hurt you. I love you so much. I will not cheat on you, Donna. That's where you reach. It's not because, well, I shouldn't cheat on my wife. No, it's I love you so much that I will not. It's not going to ever happen. But you have to say yes first. Time is it? Okay, I need to stop. Preaching at you. The fourth one I've already said basically is you must decide what you're going to do before temptation comes. What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. Cops are already coming. You've already failed. It's not what you're going to do with temptation when it comes to you. What are you going to do with temptation now before it comes to you? You got to make that decision in life. So let me uh, wrap up by just praying, just a, just a prayer that Jesus prayed. He said to Simon, when Simon yielded to temptation, maybe you remember that text. I, won't, I don't have time to go into it, but he said, Simon, Simon, Satan wants to separate you from me. It's kind of like wheat. He wants to sift you like wheat. But I'm praying for you. I'm consistently praying that your faith would not fail. And that's my prayer for those of you who are hearing this message and those who attend Koinonia and, and even beyond, that y your faith wouldn't fail you. Your faith wouldn't fail you. Stand with me. Let me say something about the Christmas season and something about 2003. Right now, as we enter this season, it's going to be a trial for some of you. Christmas is not going to be fun. I had, a, I had an okay Thanksgiving. It was a little harder than even last year. Last year, Donna had just passed away about two weeks before. And I don't think I, I think I was still kind of out of sorts. So it really wasn't that bad last year. But this, this year was kind of tough. And uh, uh, it's going to be tough for some of you this, this holiday season. And I realize that. For some of you, it's going to be a test. And for some of you, you're going to, uh, you're going to be tempted to spend more money than you can afford. It, Christmas isn't wrapped up in material things, guys. If you've got some money, please share it. You know what I mean? It's, it's wonderful. We, we need these. Those save the girls. And we have given to that for years. I mean, I, I like the fact that I'm helping some girl in that culture stand strong. If you've got some money that you can, you can share and you're not greedy and you have to have more, so do that. But, but if you can't, that's okay too because what your kids really need, what people, is you. You are the gift. You, not, not what you have, just, just you. So give people that are in darkness when you meet them, give them a little bit of light. Lighten up their load. Lighten up their load. I had the privilege of speaking at, uh, I was a keynote speaker at 
the hospice annual event uh, at uh, Adventist Church this last Thursday. And they invited me because I was connected. The hospice helped us for a, about two months, almost two months, uh, as Donna, Donna failed. But uh, in that dark period of time, uh, uh, Carrie Cromwell was a key light to me. I can't tell you how many times I told Donna, I love you and that's why I'm giving you this, but it's not just me who loves you. I want you to see that God loves you because God uses people as his light. That's how we know God's walking with us through our tunnels is because people come by our side and Carrie came by on my side. She's the one who actually connected me to hospice. I didn't want to go to hospice because I thought wrongly that I had to take Donna someplace and they were gonna care for her and I'd just visit her. She says, no, they, you can be the primary caregiver and, and they will visit your home. And I said, well, oh, okay, well, I'll, sit, I'll check that out. So Carrie was a light and then that opened the door to, uh, uh, to Mary Doss who came and said, yeah, Donna qualifies. And that opened the door to a, a wonderful nurse called Bridget, young, young girl, really helped me a lot when learning how to turn Donna and how to help her because she was bedridden. And, and then, so that opened the door for her. And then Raquel, about four days before uh, Donna passed away, she came in and uh, uh, she was 20 something and she was so sweet. And she helped me wash Donna's hair while I helped her. I had done this and I had taken care of Donna's physical needs for you know, quite a while now, but, but she did a lot better than I did. She actually washed her hair in water. I used some sort of a chemical substance which did the same thing, but you know, and that was the last time I saw my wife smile is when that water was on her head. We didn't realize it at the time, but, uh, but we were preparing her for death. But, you can't make it through life alone. You have to have lights come into your life. That's God sending his love to you. And, and you and I can be that. You and I can be that. Give, give some light this year. Lighten someone's load. Uh, John uses three terms. He says, he taught, in the book of John, it's, it's love, light, and life. So give some people some light, but get, give them some love. You know, you... Maybe you don't have any money, that's okay. I told Drew, my grandson, he says, what can I give dad? And I, I says, well, you don't have a lot of money. Why don't you put a card and say, I'll wash your car for three times. I said, that'll be a sign of love. I said, and by the way, if you want to do something for your, for your grandfather for Christmas, pick up my stinking leaves out front because they're all over the, uh, the place. That's love. You know, uh, if, you, if you cut hair, then, uh, you know, give someone a free haircut. I've been cutting my own. My wife cut my hair for years. I've cut my own. I know, I know it looks terrible, but I don't see the side. I don't see the back. I don't see, I just see the front and it looks okay to me. Plus I save 20 bucks a month so I can buy more candles. That's a positive thing <laughs> about it. No, I'm done with candles. Matter of fact, I bought so many I gave, I've given three gifts away, three, three candles each, so. Give some, give some love. Let it be love. And give some life. Speak life into people's hearts. Give them a blessing, you know. May, may God strengthen you and give you the, empower you for, to, to stand against any challenge in this new year. May he help you to be who you are created to be because God created you to be something special. Can, say that to them. Those are words. Don't quit being negative. There's so much negativity. 
And as you move into the new year, make sure you got your rearview mirror up, your history. Look back as often as you want, and every time you do, give thanks to God for getting you through those tough times. Make sure in the new year that you don't settle for what is. Reach for what can be. I don't, that's, that's not a quote. I don't even know where I got that, but that's not a quote for me, okay? But it's a good one. I like it. I like it. Don't settle for what is. What can be, Lord? I want to reach for that. And last of all, in 2022, man, I tell you, the 401ks went down the proverbial toilet, didn't it? We lost, people lost a lot of money. And, uh, uh, but if you invest in organizations that really are making a difference, if you invest in people who don't just think about doing something good, who don't just talk about doing something good, but they're actually doing good, you invest in them and you will never lose money. Your investment will pay great dividends. And I, as I move into 2023, my focus is going to change. I'm going to move ahead. I don't know what that means for me, but that's what I'm doing. I encourage you to do the same. Andrew, I don't know. Did I mess things up? Do you need to clean stuff up? I did tell everybody I drank some beer, so I, uh, that's already out of the bag, I think. I don't know how you're going to put that one back in, but... Uh. Come on, would you give it up this morning for Pastor Tim? You still got it, buddy. You still got it. Thank you, Pastor Tim. You know what? Uh, PT really continues to be a gift to our, our church family. And, and this season, for the next couple of weeks as we move into Christmas, it's kind of be our theme over the next couple of Sundays is gifts to the church. Uh, Pastor Tim certainly is one. Uh, next week, we're going to be hearing from Pastor Tony and Sherry Winteroud, who are uh, pastors or war pastors at First Presbyterian here in Hanford. Uh, and he's going to tell, they're going to tell us a little bit of their story about how he nearly died two years ago. It's, it's an incredible story. You don't want to miss next Sunday because uh, you're going to leave encouraged. And you're going to hear an amazing story. It's going to help strengthen you in this season as we celebrate what God is doing. Uh, let me just leave you with a blessing very quickly. Uh, if I can invite the prayer, prayer teams to come down. If you're struggling with temptation, if you need prayer for healing in your body, that's why we're here. And I want to encourage you to come down. Uh, right now. Just close your eyes, Lord Jesus. I just bless each and every person that's here in this house. Lord, I just speak a blessing of life and goodness upon them and their families, strength for their bodies. We just pray. I pray right now, God, as they go out for this week, that they will have what they need to face the challenges, the trials, the tests that are before them. Lord, let every temptation be readily apparent and give them the strength to run in the other direction. Give them the strength to say no, not to make any provision for the flesh but to actually cooperate with your spirit to be overcomers. Make them, Lord, the head and not the tail in Jesus' name. Give them favor at every turn. Give them favor at work and at home in relationships. Let healing flow from their hands. Let life flow from their lips. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Go with God. Be sure you stop in at the great room. If you would like to find an opportunity to serve, there are many opportunities to do that. And this is a great season to plug into that in the great room. Just drop by there just for a few moments. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.